Real News. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is December 17th, 2019, and I'm here live Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern Time, only on Red State Talk Radio. So today we have a lot going on. We have uh, live House committee hearings in regards to President Trump's impeachment vote guidelines. And also we have, uh, you know, the Senate uh, trying to change the rules over how the hearing is supposed to go. So I would like to uh, start off by listening to that before anything, because remember, uh, once it goes through the House, it comes to the Senate, and this is where the trial happens. But apparently the Democrats want to change the rules as to how they impeach the president or how they vote for it, which is ridiculous. Take a listen. Start the trial and then see how senators wish to proceed. The Democratic leader wants to write a completely new set of rules for President Trump. He wants one single resolution up front instead of two, however many are needed. He wants to guarantee up front that the Senate hear from the very specific witnesses instead of letting the body evaluate the witness issue after, after opening arguments and senators' questions, like back in 1999. And very tellingly, Madam President, our colleague from New York <clears throat> completely omits any motions to dismiss the case, like the one he was happy to vote for himself as a new senator back in 1999. Almost exactly 20 years ago today, prior to the Senate trial, Senator Schumer said this on television, direct quote. Here's what he said. Certainly any senator, according to the rules, could move to dismiss, which is done every day in criminal and civil courts throughout America, motions to dismiss are made. And if a majority vote for that motion to dismiss, the procedure could be truncated. That was Senator Schumer in January of 1999. But now the same process that Senator Schumer thought was good enough for President Clinton he doesn't want to afford President Trump. Go figure. Look, most people understand what the Democratic leader is really after. He is simply trying to lock in live witnesses that is a strange request at this juncture for a couple of reasons. <clears throat> but one thing, the 1999 version of Senator Schumer vocally opposed having witnesses, even when the question was raised after hours of opening arguments from the lawyers, hours of questions from senators, and a failed motion to dismiss. How can he have prejudged that he favors live witnesses so strongly this time before the Senate even has articles in hand? Moreover, Presumably, it will be the House prosecutor's job to ask for the witnesses they feel they need to make the case. So why does the Democratic leader here in the Senate want to predetermine the House impeachment manager's witness request for them before the House has even impeached the president? Might he, just might he be 
coordinating these questions with people outside the Senate? Here's one possible explanation. Maybe the House's public proceedings have left the Democratic leader with the same impression they've left many of us. That from everything we can tell, House Democrats' slapdash impeachment inquiry has failed to come anywhere near, anywhere near the bar for impeaching a duly elected president, let alone removing him for the first time in American history. And so those who have been eagerly hoping for impeachment <clears throat> are starting to scramble. Chairman Adam Schiff and House Democrats actively decided not to go to court and pursue potentially useful witnesses because they didn't want to wait for due process. <clears throat> Indeed, they threatened to impeach the president if they had to go to court at all. That intentional political decision is the reason why the House is poised, poised to send the Senate the thinnest, least thorough presidential impeachment in our nation's history. By any ordinary legal standard, what House Democrats have assembled appears to be woefully, woefully inadequate to prove what they want to allege. So now, the Senate Democratic leader would apparently like our chamber to do House Democrats' homework for them. He wants to volunteer the Senate's time and energy on a fishing expedition to see whether his own ideas could make Chairman Schiff's sloppy work more persuasive than Chairman Schiff himself bothered to make it. So, Madam President, this concept is dead wrong. The Senate is meant to act as judge and jury to hear a trial, not to rerun the entire fact-finding investigation because angry partisans rush sloppily through it. The trajectory that the Democratic leader apparently wants to take us down before he's even heard opening arguments could set a nightmarish precedent for our institution. If the Senate volunteers ourselves to do House Democrats' homework for them, we will only incentivize an endless stream of dubious partisan impeachments in the future. And we will invite future houses to paralyze future Senates with frivolous impeachments at will. This misunderstanding about constitutional roles brings me back to something I raised earlier. The Democratic leader's letter to me, by the way, by way of the press, literally misquoted the Constitution. <clears throat> Senator Schumer wrote that we should exercise, quote, the Senate's sole power of impeachment under the Constitution with integrity and dignity. He attributed to the Senate, quote, the sole power of impeachment. <clears throat> well, there's his problem, Mr. President. That's the role the Constitution gives, actually, to the House, not to the Senate. They give it to the House. Article 1, Section 2 says, The House of Representatives shall have the sole power of impeachment. Doesn't sound ambiguous to me. If my colleague wants to read about our responsibilities here in the Senate, he needs to turn to the next page. Article 1, Section 3 says, 
the Senate shall have the sole power to try all impeachments. We don't create impeachments over here, Mr. President. We judge them. The House chose this road. It's their duty to investigate. It's their duty to meet the very high bar for undoing a national election. As Speaker Pelosi herself once said, it is the House's obligation to, quote, build an ironclad case to act. That's Speaker Pelosi. It's the House's obligation to build an ironclad case to act, end quote. If they fail, they fail. <clears throat> it's not the Senate's job to leap into the breach and search desperately for ways to get the guilty. That would hardly be impartial justice. The fact that my colleague is already desperate to sign up the Senate for new fact-finding, which House Democrats themselves were too impatient to see through, well, that suggests something to me. It suggests that even Democrats who do not like this president are beginning to realize how dramatically insufficient the House's rush process has been. <coughs> well, look, I, I hope the House of Representatives sees that, too. If House Democrats' case is this deficient, this thin, the answer is not for the judge and jury to cure it over here in the Senate. The answer is the House should not impeach on this basis in the first place. But if the House plows ahead, if this ends up here in the Senate, we certainly do not need jurors to start brainstorming witnesses, witness lists and demanding to lock them in before we've even heard opening arguments. I still believe the Senate should try to follow the 1999 model. Two resolutions. Two. First things first. The middle and the end of this process will come later. So I look forward to meeting with the Democratic leader very soon and getting our important conversation <clears throat> back on the right foot. <clears throat> now, an entirely different matter, there remains a great deal of outstanding legislation the Senate must complete for the American people before we adjourn for the holidays. I was glad to see yesterday's overwhelming bipartisan vote to advance the conference report to the 59th Consecutive National Defense uh, Authorization Act. We moved it here in the Senate, 76 to 6. For months, unprecedented partisan delays threatened a nearly six-decade tradition of expressing Congress' bipartisan commitment to our national defense. But with the Senate's final vote later today, we'll finally put this vital legislation on the President's desk. <clears throat> I look forward to voting to pass the NDAA today by another overwhelming bipartisan vote for our service members and the critical missions they carry out. <clears throat> of course, the Senate needs to follow up the defense authorization bill with appropriation measures and fund our national defense and domestic priorities. So I just thought we need to play the whole thing and then decrypt. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. Let's just dumb this down for me because as I was listening, I was like, wait a minute. Let me take a look. Let me pull this up. Let me look because I need to dumb some things down. They say it in such a structured way. And, you know, that really sucks 
when you have senators and congresspersons that are supposed to re- represent people that are not lawyers, right? And they just kind of skirty skirty. Basically, here's here's the the skinny on this. The House is trying to impeach the president on things they can't even find articles to impeach him on, uh, like they don't even exist. Okay, that is something that you know has never happened in the history of forever, ever, ever. Okay, because abuse of power. Well, what article are you pulling on? Oh, just whatever. Uh, obstructing Congress. Like, what is that? What do you mean you're obstructing Congress? Telling them not to spy on people. Telling them not to do things as such. I mean, let's be honest, guys. Their first article is abuse of power. There's no actual code in in any of our statutes to be applied. And then obstruction of Congress, again, no such code. You know, like if you look at the Nixon and Clinton, you know, impeachment hearings, they were actually Title 18 this, Title 18 that. They've got nothing here for President Trump. So now that it's going to the Senate, they're like, yeah, we need to like rewrite the rules. What we need to do is investigate to see how good a job the House did before we look at it. Nah, man, if it's bad, because your name is going to be on it. You can't impeach someone. See, they don't want us to say, all right, well, let's see what they got. They gave us this. Well, where's the proof? Yeah, we're not showing it to you. (laughs) Then we're not impeaching. So Schumer is trying to say, well, let's investigate for them. Let's take a look if they did. Uh, Sorry, not investigators. Our job is to listen and uh, pretty much get a conclusion out of that and vote like a trial and say guilty or not guilty for violations of laws that do not exist. They're rewriting everything. That is the concern here, you guys. They're rewriting everything. So now we have lawmakers making up rules to see how they can move ahead with this. So just so you understand, this is where we're at. We've got people trying to make up rules to see how we can move forward in impeaching the president. That is that's just insane if you think about it. And the fact that we have the Senate now complaining of the same thing. Right. The same thing. Uh, We are pretty much um, being asked to investigate further. And we are pretty much uh, asked to rewrite the rules. I mean, what? That's incredible. Think about it. That is incredible that they are trying to rewrite the rules by giving themselves a power under the Constitution that doesn't exist to investigate again. Is that even possible? It's incredible. And this is the, 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 the whole spiel, you guys, that they have nothing. They just need to impeach him. Again, why? Because it's all coming down. You know, it was really weird that, you know, on December 6th, my whole life was being attacked like as a person, right? Anything from, from any aspect. And in the middle of this horrendous attack, I get served for the Seth Rich case. 
<laughs> you could be like three years later. I know they uh, they they asked to like um, you know many journalists to come together and say hey this hey that hey this bring us this bring us that right. We're talking like uh, you know Matt Couch and a bunch of other people, people that I had said were not on our team, people that I have said are there to cause harm to Julian Assange, and people are now realizing it. Regardless. The thing is, why did they come now? Why did they come now and say, hey, Tori, you need to meet with us two days after Christmas and sit down and give us stuff. And it's like, first of all, I don't hold on to stuff, so I don't have it. Second of all, you're three years late. And one will wonder, why now? And see, if you were paying attention to what I've been talking about, writing about, saying about, all you have to do is go to ToriSays.com and find my Eric Braverman article. That's all you need. Because in there, I told you where Eric Braverman was. He wasn't missing. He was in the Ukraine. What was going on? Tons of stuff. I mentioned Imran, right? The Wan brothers. You remember that? And I said, whoa. You know, you haven't heard anything about that. Why? Remember? I talked about it a couple weeks ago. I even mentioned it on Millie Weaver's show. What was it? What was it that they have? And that is... Not the emails. See, the emails are just them planning, plotting. You see intention. You see the benefits they get. It's just one facet. The method, though, is there. The software is there. The algorithms are there. And the keys to decrypt are there. And that is why we have Julian Assange sitting in England right now with his brain literally melting. You know, it was so incredible, you know, everyone's been trying to find, like, you know, Wilkie, um, Wilkie Barr coming to me, oh, yeah, come, like, yeah, like, I'm going to give you something I don't have. Besides, it's classified. There is a separate investigation that will take this to a level you've never seen. Things that nightmares are made of, things that nobody wants to talk about, you know, things like space and stuff, you know, or Anything like that. So how do you, um, I would say, fix things? How do you rectify things? You know, how do you, huh? How, do the, how does the swamp fix and rectify things? They can't. The only thing they could do is pull out President Trump that represents all of us good warriors, all of us proud citizens, all of us free people, God-fearing Americans that stand under him and stand with him and support him and back him because we're tired of it. And it's a global thing. It's not a coincidence. It is not a coincidence it's happening. Now, you would think, oh, I thought that was like super done. Like there's no litigation anymore from like three years ago. Yeah, but then suddenly they come to me when they could have come to me three years ago, when they could have come to me from any other way. It's like, all right. I even emailed them. I said, you know, this is not a very good time. I'm going through some stuff. Can we push it back for like January time? Because uh, I really can't. And, you know, whatever you need me to provide, I'll do it. I can only answer questions. I don't have anything to offer you, which is 100% correct. So it's like, oh, well, you know, you come to me now where I definitely don't have anything, 
Like if he came to me, I don't know, in the spring or summer of 2016, I might And, you know, if you came to me before I upgraded my phone, uh, I might have had maybe, maybe uh, some way to pass way to one computer to another computer to see things. Maybe, you know, but that link is dead anyway. Uh, So it's like, sorry, man, like you're coming way too late. And the thing is, this is what they do. They pull last minute to the actual thing. What they do is, remember how I told you that when they want to take down something, an ideology, someone, and kill the movement of the people moving forward, and kill the movement going forward to drain the straw, when they do that, they don't come for you know, the chief, right? They don't come for the people at the center of it. They go for the peripherals, remember? I've always said, how are you going to run against someone with no legs? You take their legs out. How are you going to, you know, compete with someone with, you know, with no arms? So you take their arms out, right? That's what you do. You take them off bit by bit. You don't go straight for the center. And so now that the, the, the jig is up and they got nothing, They've been trying to see what we have, you know. What do the good guys have? Because if we know what they have, then we can mitigate it. We can destroy it. We can excuse it. We can do something, right? This is exactly what the Democrats have been doing on President Trump with all these investigations. Let's see who he's working with. Let's see what he's got. Let's see what he knows. Let's see how we can figure this out. Let's see how we can get ahead of this. You know why? Because they can't see anymore. Their, their inability to look forward has been stymied, and they unfortunately realize that the people that have the ability to look forward don't have anything tangible, because sometimes when you're accessing technology and working with technology so much, it becomes part of you, doesn't it? It's completely part of you. And at that point, how do they take something that's part of you out. How do they take your memories out? How do they take your computational abilities out? They confuse you. They drug you. They do things like they're doing Assange, you know, in jail. But, you know, soon we'll have Snowden here. That'll be a lot of fun. That'll be super fun, if not already. And that should be terrifying them completely because with uh, Imran Awan... <laughs> What's about to come out? I mean, you remember how Debbie Washington Schultz was sweating, right? When they took her, yeah, well, when you're done, you need to return that computer. You better or else. It's like, nope, that's not the way it works, lady. So here we are where the swamp is recreating the rules, recreating the laws, starting investigations with no basis. And then when you ask them, I want to see why you started. They're like, nope, you can't see. I'm like, I have a privilege. Like, excuse me. This is in Venezuela, this isn't China, this is the United States of America, and just because you have a badge, just because you have an elected seat, just because you've been appointed whatever, doesn't mean you have more rights than someone else to, to violate on, right? If you have rights according to our Bill of Rights, so does every single citizen, no matter how crappy they are or how many or how crappy you think they are or how much you hate them or we could just keep going and going on the oars right because that's the thing they're rewriting the rule book 
They're redoing everything. They're like feeding garbage. Yeah, uh, the Senate has powers of the Constitution. Um, can you please point to the sentence? And the question there is, where is the media pointing this out? Saying, um, so you talked a lot of rubbish. Uh, we kind of fact check you. There's nothing on the Constitution like this. So basically, the media is not only throwing cover for them, but they're misinforming knowingly and intentionally allowing their audience to be misinformed. Because if Schumer said something, let's pretend I was on CNN, and he said something like, yeah, we're drawing from the power that's afforded to the Senate to, to investigate through the Constitution, I'd be like, uh, so, uh, even though he said that, we don't know where it is, we've asked his office for comment, and there hasn't been one. That's what professionals do, but obviously CNN's going to run with it, Rachel Maddow will cry if you try to, you know, dispute it, this is where we're at, and you know, it's coming down, and as it goes, as it goes, it's going to be interesting. You know, I saw a video Roseanne Barr posted, um, and I just realized I think people are waking up, people that you didn't think could wake up. I'll see you all in a bit. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So, uh, time got the best of me in the first half uh, of this hour, uh, and I was referring to a Roseanne Barr uh, video. She actually put it on her YouTube, where it shows um, Barack Hussein Obama going to Flint, Michigan, and trolling them, like saying, "I want to drink some water." Oh, you want to see my stunt? You want to see this? It was horrific. And in retrospect, looking at it, you know. It, it, it was even more sickening that he was mocking and laughing at the people that were suffering. Uh, that's a very big deal. Now, I wanted to, before we get into the live Mr. hearing, Campbell, why do sorry, you say that the FBI opened the over me. of the Trump campaign on this sinister There we go. I wanted to play a part that um, I was hoping that um, my listeners would catch on to because, you know, uh, a lot of people drop Easter eggs, right? Remember, I've, I love my Easter eggs. They're always written in my um, in my reports. But I want to play for you an Easter egg that you may have missed yesterday. Take a listen to Bill Barr. This is the interview he had, right, uh, that I played. And we broke down. And I want you to take a listen to what he says. And I'll rewind it so you can hear it yourself couple of other questions. Let me just sort of button this up. I think a lot of people will hear what you're saying here and think, well, that's just Bill Barr defending Trump. Your concern about the FBI's investigation is what? Civil libertarian? I think our, our nation was turned on its head for three years. I think uh, based on a completely bogus narrative that was largely fanned and hyped by an irresponsible press. What? Civil libertarian? Listen carefully. Uh, I think our, our nation was turned on its head for three years. I think uh, based on a completely bogus narrative that was largely fanned 
and hyped by an irresponsible press. Uh, and I think that there were gross abuses uh, of uh, FISA uh, and inexplicable behavior that isn't... Uh, I think our, our nation was turned on its head for three years. I think... Uh, based on a completely bogus narrative that was largely slim. Fam- slim, Flynn, right? Did you hear it? I'm going to do it again so you can hear it. This is the most important phrase or response Bar had, and I'm going to leave it to complete um, so you can hear the full minute response to this, okay? Rather than me rewind it again. Pay attention. I think our, our nation was turned on its head for three years. I think, uh, based on a completely bogus narrative that was largely flam- fanned uh, and hyped by an irresponsible press, uh, and I think that there were gross abuses uh, of uh, FISA uh, and inexplicable behavior that is intolerable in the uh, FBI. And uh, the Attorney General's primary responsibility is to protect uh, against the abuse of the law enforcement and intelligence apparatus and make sure that it doesn't play an improper role in our, in our political life. That's my responsibility, and I'm going to carry it out. A couple of other questions. So that's important. He tells you that this was a sham that was started, um, and it was all just a sham. Now... I want you guys to understand that what has happened was this whole investigation, this Russia narrative was to cover up. Uh, See, when they wanted us to become more technologically inserted so that they can track us and create the social credit system, they didn't start at the same base level that organizations, well, we call them countries like China did. Or the crown. The crown was, you know, off a bit of communism. The U.S. was totally not, but kind of implementing it in a subtle way. So what you need to remember is that if they plugged us in to follow and monitor and see us, we've plugged them in too. And it goes both ways. And I have to say this again and again and again. And because they were unaware, unaware, because the simple thing you have to do is, you know, grab, you know what, um, <laughs> um, Faraday bags. Does anybody own one? Because if you don't, you should get one. They're like, you know, $10 off of Amazon. You want to have a private conversation in the middle of the field? You really can't. There's drones now, too, but you probably see them. But all you do is slip your phone into one of those bags, and there's no GPS, no listening, no nothing. It's completely done. Your phone, it's like in a cage. Nobody can see anything, you know, ever. And you know, if you're smart, you create a Faraday cage, and I know this is a little bit outside of the usual, but... You can actually build a Faraday cage over your computer, like have it in there, and you could have your keyboard sticking out of a little hole or something, you know what I'm saying, and your mouse, and you could see right through it, and nobody can see where you're at, what you're doing, where it is. Nobody can detect you even have a computer. (laughs) So they didn't know that there were so many people around the world 
orchestrating a way to expose these things. And now, there were a few people that were in the public eye, other people that have been forced to come into the public view. Uh, but, see, good people, people that are fighting for good, uh, don't usually wear tiaras, right? They don't come out and say, here's my sword. Um, and they don't usually lead armies, right? They don't. But they always put someone to do it for them, right? There's always that one point of contact. And right now, globally, that point of contact, that face you equate with freedom, justice, is the President of the United States. You know, it's like there's so many names that are coming out of the IG report none of you ever heard. I mean, I've mentioned Kevin, I've mentioned Casey, I've mentioned, you know, all these other names, Spencers, I've mentioned, you know, so many. And it's like nobody knows these names because they haven't been pushed forward because just like good people have good soldiers that are quiet and lurking in places like, you know, Chipotle or Toys R Us or MTA, right? Uh, cutting, you know, just charging up Metro cards, but then on the side, they're doing scientists in the Arctic or Antarctic. Funny how that new news came out about the Antarctic, how we have more ice, so there's no melting polar caps. Uh, so all this is going on, and they don't realize it because people know how to ensure that they can... Um, make sure that they don't get monitored. I mean, there's ways to prevent, right? There's ways to uh, give yourself that privacy since we forfeited that knowingly and willingly after 20, after 9-11. Um, so what is it? Where are we right now? All of this is going on. Where are we right now? What did he say, Flynn? So think about it. I told you that there were manufactured 302s. And everyone's like, well, then what we should do is we should have the judge throw it out. The judge isn't throwing it out because he's, he's in it deep. Again, circling back to the judicial system being corrupt. He's in it deep. I mean, if he was to say, well, I, I'm dismissing it, it's going to be like, then you're saying that all this time you were duped or you didn't do your job. So he can't really dismiss it even though he has to. General Flynn's, um, I'm really careful with my words here, um, General Flynn's evidence that exonerate him, if presented in full, will incarcerate others, right? I, You know, obvious. So if you've manufactured 302s and you approve them, Comey, right, um, then uh, you're going to jail. Because you use those to prosecute the general. We can't put it in there yet. So that is what we have to wait for. And a lot of people will say, but the general, you know, he's, being, he's fine. You know, some people just have to sit through the litigation and play footsie until they get to the core of it, which is, how did this happen? So when you're sitting through the litigation and, you know, the, the, the government was throwing motion after motion after motion to Flynn and the lawyers for Flynn were kind of like, mm, I don't know, they're getting pressure, they're getting pressure. Maybe we should, maybe we should, even judges, corrupt judges were like, yeah, you know, if this would have happened in the beginning, maybe then we would have done this, you know, 
judge is making comments, nasty, nasty comments, you know, uh, attacking the defendant himself, right? Didn't they say that he was treasonous? You know, what he did was probably treason in front of everyone, and they dropped that in the media, you remember? So good people are patient, and they have faith, right? That's something that we lack is faith, and you should always have faith. And I'm preaching right now, and I should listen to the words that I say that there should be faith. There should be faith that nothing evil does cannot be overcome because evil is not as powerful as good. Again, a fire, right? Light cannot cast a shadow, right? Doesn't cast a shadow, especially the light of truth. So patience, because in the end, it'll be down to, let's take a look. What happened here? So you guys faked the 302s? So you had an illegal FISA warrant? Wait a minute. So we can't hold, right, the judge who signed the FISA warrant on Flynn responsible because how would they know it's fake? But, you know, we had Comey on TV saying, oh, there were just so many errors. We want to fix them. They sh we should fix them. Dude, you don't need to be wanting to fix anything except for set yourself up and make sure that your children are taken care of and they learn from your mistakes not to do so. That's basically it. You should just get your life in order because you had all this egg smeared on your face and it's going to come real hard now. And you know that you guys have lost the game. You're realizing it. Huh? There's going to be, from what I know, from the FISA application to warrant, there's going to be five plus one special person being charged. There's five, six, seven. So there's eight people involved. I would say there's five counts. There should be, there's also one more because the withholding of exculpatory evidence is a very big deal too. And that would include the U.S. attorney, I'm just saying. So, and you know, she was a Republican. Let's just put that out there, right? And she's perpetuating this, okay? Let's just put that out there, right? So you understand that it's not just coming from one camp. Both camps are corrupt. So think, if you have, if you have evidence that uh, an investigation was started out of spite, bad faith, false information then was manufactured and put into context to be misconstrued as true. You know, these are all counts. We could just start counting. Gosh, it hits so close to home, you guys, doesn't it? So think about it. They manufactured things. I mean, the email manufacturing just for Carter Page, changing it or, you know, not saying that he, w he may or may not be an intelligence asset because they can't tell them where he's coming from. And for them to have the CIA write a letter means that someone from his agency tapped the other agency because they have actually worked together on something with him at some point in time doesn't mean that he belonged to that agency. I just wanted to make it clear. And you know what's funny is that the corrupt actors that go after people that are intelligence assets and don't know the unmasking portion uh, really makes it harder for them because they don't know which way to go. <laughs> so it's a, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it's very disheartening because there's so many. You know, we have the grand juries now sitting there deliberating on a lot of names a lot of counts and a lot of people. And then we have the 
A1 situation coming into play that feeds into all these people because these people knew about that. <laughs> it is such a hot mess, but all I can tell you is that, you know, they're all going to have those itchy blankets. I hope they get itchy blankets. I mean, if we get itchy blankets, you know, they should get itchy blankets as a punishment. We should just give them just itchy blankets. Uh, Adam Schiff, from what I hear, is currently being looked into in a certain way on a more public front, uh, but under a seal. It is going to be so much fun. And, you know, I, I want everyone to know that uh, you need to start having more faith that good is going to prevail. I know they're walking out there, and I get this all the time from people that just don't get it. They, you know, they, they, oh, I get it. No, you really don't. Because if you're asking that question, why are they still out there? You know, that minimizes your ability to, to understand. You have to have faith. You know, you have to understand that there are so many good people and all the good people don't even know that they exist to each other. They could walk by each other on the street and not know. And the attacks are only going to increase. The hate is only going to increase. Uh, you know, this is all the most bizarre, but it's all coming, right guys? Can you see it? Can you see how everything is coming? How everything is coming together? I mean, so many things happen and you're like, oh, that's a coincidence. Look what happened here. Oh, that's such a coincidence. Like, when is it mathematically impossible? And when do you understand that this was a timeline? This was a reality that had to merge with another, kind of like in a deja vu moment. That's basically it. You know, this is how, you know, we need to, to look at things, that things are set in motion by the collective. So when you do something in your house listening to me, say one of you right now, I might even guess, is, uh, you know, stirring a pot um, to get something cooking. Another one of you just, you know, uh, you know, turned left on your blinker in your truck. Another one of you uh, sparked up a cigarette. Another one just took a bite of a Slim Jim, you know, all those little things work together to formulate our reality and formulate our direction. So we are dependent on our brothers and our sisters and their evil acts, their nefarious acts also feed into us that we do good. But good will always outweigh evil. That's what we say. That good will always outweigh evil. That if you embrace evil with good, that it will never manifest, which isn't true because if there are other evil forces in that evil person's reality influencing them, that will be amplified. But as a collective, all human beings on this planet connect. They're all together. This is the premise of string theory. You tickle a string on the other side of the planet, there's going to be a replicate, a ripple on this side at some point. Maybe delayed, maybe instant, maybe indirect, you know, indirect instant, who knows? But it happens. So when all of you are sitting there upset that they're still walking around, when all of you are sitting there upset, my life is over, you know, I lost my job, or this happened, my gosh, this most evil act happened, my gosh, we have to just pray, 
and understand that there will be a convergence of good. Suddenly, where you say, say for example, you're like, you know what, I'm having a bad day and I'm going to the park because I'm just going to pretend to feed the birds to not lose my mind. And when you go to the park and you start sprinkling breadcrumbs, suddenly people from the other side of the planet decide that they're going to come to the same place you're at. And somebody else that you don't even know will appear at that park while you're and suddenly all this good surrounds you. And when there is war, right, spiritual war, guess what happens? The army comes together without realizing it. And through social media, through phones, through text, through messengers, through videos, through anything, any mean of communication, I hope that all of you can understand and see that we have all come together. The army of good is coming together. And when the army is together, it cannot fall. This is why if, if, if we're, where we go one, we go all, we can't fall. That's the way it is. So you have to think of coming together in numbers and in strength of faith, of hope, and seeing all the good that's coming out. Like I said, so much has been going on in the background. And, and just a simple example of the nefarious that has been happening, that they've been obfuscating. Look how much tension. Remember the heat map example I give? Stand on the moon and look at the heat map. You can stand on the moon and see the heat map on the planet. You can see the Arctic on fire. You could see the Eastern Mediterranean for almost two years now on fire. And you're seeing Midwest on fire. You are seeing D.C. on fire. California has been diffused. Nobody cares now. They can do what they want. It's done. Look at the heat maps. Used to be at our border. It's not anymore. Where is it migrated to? To the border of Central America and South America. These are the things we need to be looking at. The heat maps. The, and you're going to say, well, how am I going to see it? I can't really stand on. Yeah, you can. You can see all the news going by in in your feed and uh, and understand patterns. And a lot of people, well, I'm not good at patterns. I'm good at patterns, but you may not be good at patterns. No, you're exceptional in patterns. We have just are not using that because we've been desensitized to the point where we 100% rely on others to spoon-feed us information. Uh, it is something that we need to realize because the more you wake up and you see that everything, everything that they have provided to you is because they want to guide your thought and you step away from it, suddenly there is some clarity. Now, for someone currently, myself, personally, under severe stress, uh, you must understand that the confusion that I feel I'm trying to compartmentalize still seeps in. And that's because I've been taught how I should respond. I've responded to certain situations in a way. Now I need to learn how to respond in a different way because it's more personalized, not indirect. Make sense? And this is what you should do. You have learned to respond to the news in a way like path one. Now you need to retrain yourself to objectively observe what's going on. See, there are simple things, simple, simple things that people overlook. 
simple things like, hey, what happened to this? You know, uh, what was it, months ago, I was like, you know, what happened with Amron, A1 brothers? What's going on with Broward County? What's going on with that sheriff down there? What's going on with the silencing of the speech? What's going on with the Gestapo? What's going on with this? You know, people forget that Seth Rich wasn't the only victim, right? He wasn't the only victim. There was another person, uh, a very nice young man uh, who was very outgoing, very bold, and unfortunately was a victim uh, to their actions, Sean Lucas, right? So this is just what people need to understand is that everything is already set. You obviously make your choices, but your choices reflect mine and your neighbors collectively. And once you understand that, then you can see things in a pattern more objectively. You know, for, for, for the one listening saying, oh, well, this is a little bit philosophical. I'm, I'm not getting it. You're going to get it. Because once you see that every single action contributes to where we are right now, and contributes to the situation we are right now. Everything bad in my life, I've attracted in some way. Either it be, you know, obviously nobody wants to attract evil people. Nobody wants to be duped. Nobody wants to be tormented. Nobody wants themselves, their children, their kitty cats. No one wants any suffering. But unfortunately, you know, even if you're doing good, there's always a reaction to that good. And that reaction is because you're diffusing the evil that is in proximity to you. That amplifies. And the more good you have around you, the more that amplifies. You see what I'm saying? So right now, take a step back and look at them talk. Look at, look at in politics. Let's talk politics, n not in your life. Talk politics. Look at them speak. Look at what they say. Look at how they respond. And look at the irrational, illogical, and uh, complete in panic and enraged way they speak of things. Why? Because they have no control anymore. Because we got them all. And the more you realize that we all come together and we're all going to converge at some place, some time, some point, it's going to make sense to you. You're going to see it. And so what I want you guys is to have faith. Um, in the next hour, we're going to break down the House committee debates, which is pretty insane. And, you know, and you're going to see what I mean. I had to get this to you so you can understand what you need to be not feeling but what glasses you should be wearing to see this Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. Now, the reason I told you of the collective and objectivity is because I want to um, go a little bit old school. Because right now, after uh, you know 1992, where technology more, was more widely available, it was made widely available because those that we see, the swamp, the deep state, the underlying, the shadow global shadow government had better tools at their hands. And so they needed to create it better. 
Now, we've talked about, uh, you know, how there are a lot of people that are currently in elected positions, kind of like Schiff. I told you how he, he made himself be inserted, how he went to the Q Lab and all these things, and how he was put together. But a lot of people go through, you know, special facilities to train. But those that are innately good seem to have the ability to exceed that and embrace it. And then they suss you out. They find you. You know, they used to uh, really uh, try to pinpoint people out. Do you remember? I mean, for those of you that are, you know, um, over the age of 25, must remember how in school you used to have special tests, how uh, there were uh, special programs for people. Uh, that were young. All of you remember, you know, it wasn't like we had like STEM schools and how they molded and shaped people to their liking, you know, because now there's no competition. Uh, they already know who they're going to situate to provide the tools to become better, to become smarter. But one thing people don't seem to understand is that many agencies have people that don't really exist. I tweeted out a picture, very, very old school. And there is Bush getting briefed by someone that doesn't really exist. The person doesn't even look like that. That's all makeup and effects. Makeup. Could be a dude. Could be a redhead. Could be anything. But for the time that he was present, that was super advanced stuff. That was special effects in the flesh. Hmm? So again... Reality and what's real is what you make of it. And in, and in this day and age, this is why they're so scared of deep fake. Because they've been deep faking for a very, very, very long time. I mean, how many of these videos do you see where the media is sitting in a boat in a flood and people are just walking by behind them accidentally? But, you know, they didn't air that on TV. That's just in some bucket footage. They edited it. Or how, you know, there was a correspondent supposedly in the middle of the war in Kuwait. <laughs> and, in fact, he was at a green screen. And you're like, whoa, they did that back, like, decades ago? Whoa. Yeah. Again, I urge you to watch the movie Wag the Dog. That's really important. That'll teach you a lot. That'll give you insight to a lot. So people don't exist. And you know, the thing is, is that they realized, and I think they realized that at around 2012 when they couldn't see anymore, because it was up until a certain year that, you know, everything has a life, right? A lifespan, right? Even uh, uranium has a lifespan of decay, right? So when you have access to technology, knowledge, or anything that has an expiration date, obviously you try to reverse engineer it and maybe fail. But those people that you use to help reverse engineer, that you hand-selected to reverse engineer, may have embedded that in their fingertips, in their mind, in their eye, in their ear. Maybe they learned secrets you didn't even know existed and were able to do it because unfortunately, you know, and this is pure human nature, not to say that it was done for nefarious reasons all the time, but unfortunately people, and they've learned this uh, a little bit delayed, which is good for the greater good, uh, have the ability to, well, I wouldn't say have the ability, the soul, the spirit, the 
that essence of life is innately good and also can be at the same time evil. So when you put people that are innately good, that are doing work for those when they say you're re- you're you're a really good person, right? So let's pretend you're be you get put into a situation where you're uh, of the uh, impression that you're doing incredible good, and you know they give you access. You have a boss, right? I know there's tons of you out there. You have a boss where you're just like, dude, this guy is like telling me make the spreadsheet like this and. The clown doesn't even know how to open up Excel. And you're just like, seriously, how are you the boss? Right? You get what I'm trying to say? So let's pretend you had a boss that was super evil. And they were like, you need to find this out. You need to figure that out. And you figure it out for them. And you, and you do the work. And, 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 you, and, you, and you help because we need to deter this from happening. Figure out how we're going to do this. And you're sitting there and you're figuring it out. Right? But as you're figuring it out, you're figuring out other things too. And so on the side, while you're like, hey, this takes time since you don't even know how to open up the program, and I do, this is taking a little bit longer. Give me some time. And so you take that time. Think about this this way. If the boss that has no ability, right, let's pretend Hillary Clinton was overseeing me, uh, you know, run some PCR, like, you know, DNA, whatever, and she's overseeing me. She has no idea you know, about electrophoresis, doesn't know how to separate DNA, has, has seen a centrifuge in a picture, doesn't know how it works, right? Let's put it this way. So Hillary Clinton comes to me and she's like, you need to figure this out. I need to know the DNA sequence of this. And, you know, she doesn't know how it works. She knows how it should work. She knows that it should take you, you know, an hour to parse that, you know, spit and extract it and then run it through like super simple, you know, archaic gel. Um, and she's standing on top of you and you're just like, yo, chill. She gets the feeling that you're like, you understand at some point, and they do this anyway, that you know more than them. So what does that crazy boss do? They insert things that can explode you, not like literally, but they can explode you at some point in your life when they need to eradicate you. Kind of like, let's say, for example, maybe they might give you a vaccine and, um, you know, the minute uh, you drink a drink that has, I don't know, iodine in it, you start to deteriorate, your organs break down and you die. Or they, um, you know, have you uh, be friends or lovers or married with uh, someone that is explosive or something. They, um, they'll insert, um, I don't know, anything in your life to be a backup, like, you know, the self-destruct thing. You know, Mm. so they always do. And usually they come in forms of handlers. And that's something that you need to remember because we're going to revisit this. After you listen to Raskin talk and and listen to a bit of the conversation here uh, with the House committee debates um, on the Trump impeachment vote guidelines. Um, I've talked about handlers before. I wrote an article uh, back in 2018 on Big League talking about how Chinese spies are being picked off the grid and how um, Lee, which was uh, working for the CIA, had a black book filled with names, dates, locations of covert uh, agents. And uh, I also wrote out how the FBI and the CIA, even though he left, 
you know, uh, raided his hotel and his apartment, saw that he still had that information with him, monitored that he came into the country again in the U.S. with it and left with it, uh, questioned him, but never arrested him. When he left with super highly, you know, potent, you know, alarming information, because even though he was working for them on what he was doing in China, right, and he thought he had insurance, they also had insurance on him, and, you know, they exploded that on him when he came back to the country in 2018. I'm just saying. So there's always a uh, backup mechanism. Now, in the case of people, right, that are innately good, that, you know, do this spreadsheet and the boss doesn't know, or in the case of Hillary Clinton standing on top of me saying, I want to be you know, and I'm just like, whatever. I don't roll eyes, obviously. Well, those that know me would know that I would definitely roll eyes, okay? I never uh, changed my stance when I was being pressured or I would state disagreement always. I said this. Owen hated that about me when he wasn't even in the service uh, officially, right? And doing stuff with, you know, Middle Eastern men in Luxembourg, I stood toe-to-toe and I'm short, you know, and he looks like, you know, a nefarious, you know, he reminds me of the guy from the Fantastic Four, the guy that turned into the thing, like, you know, like this big boxy dude. He looks scary, but he's totally not. Like, he's just connected. Anyway, butting heads, keeping consistency on the butting heads. But what if they realize that at some point you've smiled or nodded and they're like, wait a minute, that's not them. They insert. They're panicking. So I see that across the nation right now, in the House, in the Senate, in the general public, in executive offices, former or current agents, police officers, you name it, suddenly it's like all these pins are being pulled and people are exploding everywhere. And um, it's a pattern. And uh, I think that brings uh, me and many people comfort uh, because that means that uh, this war is almost over. So... Take a listen because you can hear the failure in their ability to maintain the front lines. One, from the Senate trying to reinvestigate things, and two, from this debate. Take a listen. We've listened to the hearings. We've read the transcripts. And it's clear that this president acted in a way that not only violates the public trust, he jeopardized our national security and he undermined our democracy. He acted in a way that rises to the level of impeachment. That is why we are considering HRES 755 today, a resolution impeaching Donald John Trump, President of the United States, for high crimes and misdemeanors. Congress has no other choice but to act with urgency. You know, when I think back to the founders of this nation, they were particularly concerned about foreign interference in our elections. They understood that allowing outside forces to decide American campaigns would cause the fundamentals. But the evidence shows that is exactly what President Trump did. Not only allowed, but solicited foreign interference, all to help him win his re-election campaign. What shocks me, quite frankly, about so many of my Republican friends is their inability to acknowledge that President Trump acted improperly. It seems the only Republican members willing to admit the president did something wrong have either already retired or announced plans they intend to retire at the end of this Congress. I get it. 
it's hard to criticize the president of your own party. But that shouldn't, uh, you know, but that shouldn't matter here. I admired President Clinton when he was president of the United States, and I still do today. But when this House impeached him, which I didn't agree with, I went to the House floor and I said I thought what President Clinton did was wrong. Because moments like this call for more than just reflexive partisanship. They require honesty, and they require courage. Are any Republicans today willing to muster the strength to say that what this president did was wrong? Now let me say again what happened here. The president withheld congressionally approved military aid to a country under siege to abstract a personal political favor. He did not do this as a matter of U.S. policy. He did this for his own benefit. That is wrong. And if that is not impeachable conduct, I don't know what is. Now, I've heard some on the other side suggest that this process is about overturning an election. That is absurd. This is about President Trump using his office to try and rig the next election. Now, think about that. We like to say that every vote matters, that every vote counts. We learned in grade school about all the people who fought and died for that right. It is a sacred thing. You know, I remember as a... I'm going to pause that and kind of like super fast forward to the clown quickly um, and um, where we're going to have Colin's ask questions too. The reason I'm doing this is I let you guys hear his opening where he wants to um, resonate with people of logic when, you know, on both sides by making key statements and using key trigger words. So here we have um, them let me just have you listen to this before I say anything. But one thing you need to understand is that there's always one chair, right? Just like in a kingdom, there's one chair that is that the king sits in, the queen sits in, one chair. Just like a chairman, there's a chair. And you have to think. Who in the end is sitting in that chair? Because there's always just one great mind behind it. Uh, unfortunately, human nature and any nature, either that be non-terrestrial nature, uh, those that have a free will cannot not have one chair. I just want you to remember that while you listen to this. Did President Trump's offenses, the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, the Committee on Foreign Affairs, and the Committee on Oversight and Reform Bring these articles with a solemn purpose and a heavy heart, but in active faith with the constitutional oaths of office that we have all sworn. The investigating committees conducted 100 hours of deposition testimony with 17 sworn witnesses and 30 hours of public testimony with 12 witnesses. The Judiciary Committee is now in possession of overwhelming evidence that the President of the United States has committed high crimes and misdemeanors, violated his constitutional oath to faithfully execute the office of the President of the United States, and to the best of his ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, and violated his constitutional duty to take care that the laws are faithfully executed. We present two articles of impeachment supported by hundreds of pages of detailed evidence and meticulous analysis. The evidence and analysis lead inescapably to the conclusions embodied in these articles of impeachment. First, President Trump has committed the high crime and misdemeanor 
of abuse of office. He abused the awesome powers of the presidency by using his office to corruptly demand that a foreign government interfere in our American presidential election in order to promote his own political campaign in 2020. He corruptly conditioned the release of $391 million in foreign security assistance that he held back from the Ukrainian government, along with a long hoped for White House presidential meeting. <clears throat> he conditioned those on Ukrainian President Zelensky's agreement to go public with two statements. One statement was announcing a criminal investigation into former Vice President Joe Biden, a leading presidential candidate and rival of the president. The other statement was announcing an investigation that would rehabilitate a discredited pro-Russian conspiracy theory by showing that it was Ukraine and not Putin's Russia that tried to disrupt the last American presidential election in 2016. This scheme to corrupt an American presidential election subordinated the democratic sovereignty of the people to the private political ambitions of one man, the president himself. It immediately placed the national security interests of the United States of America at risk, and it continues to embroil the nation and our government in conflict. Second, after this corrupt scheme came to light and numerous public servants with knowledge of key events surfaced to testify in our committee investigations about the president's actions, President Trump directed the wholesale, categorical, and indiscriminate obstruction of this congressional impeachment investigation. He did so by ordering a blockade of administration witnesses, by trying to muzzle and intimidate witnesses who did come forward, and by refusing to produce even a single subpoenaed document. In the history of the Republic, no president other than this one has ever claimed and exercised the unilateral right and power to Skipping ahead. involvement. Mr. President, Mr. Chairman, we present you not just with high crimes and misdemeanors, but a constitutional crime in progress up to this very minute. Mayor Giuliani, the president's private lawyer, fresh from his overseas travel looking to rehabilitate once again the discredited conspiracy theories at the heart of the president's defense, admitted that he participated directly in the smear campaign to oust Ambassador Yovanovitch from her job. According to the New Yorker magazine, Giuliani said, I believe that I needed Yovanovitch out of the way. She was going to make the investigations difficult for everybody. And here, of course, Mr. Giuliani refers to the president's sought-after investigations into Joe Biden and the remnants of the discredited conspiracy theory pushed by Russia as propaganda that it was Ukraine and not Russia that interfered in the 2016 American presidential election. Given that an unrepentant president considers his behavior perfect, given that he thinks the Constitution empowers him to do whatever he wants, given that he and his team are still awaiting President Zelensky's statement about investigating Joe Biden, given that he has already invited China to perform an investigation of its own, we can only ask what the 2020 election will be like, or indeed what any future election in America will be like if we just let this misconduct go and authorize and license presidents to coerce, cajole, pressure, and entice foreign powers to enter our election campaigns on behalf of the president. Who will be invited in next? The president's continuing course of conduct 
constitutes a clear and present danger to democracy in America. Okay. So before I continue it, I just want to ask you a question. So you know how I told you linchpins are going off across the planet. For all those good people that may have rolled their eyes once, may have, you know, been suspect of, wait a minute, I think they ran with this technology, but they've been to the doctor, not part of it. We've checked their house. They don't have it. Where is it? Where is it? Well, linchpins everywhere. Linchpins being pulled, right? Where's Nadler? Because if you can pull it, we can pull it. Family emergency today. And they put oily, you know, Raskin up there to talk, who's reading, and his handler, and it's not his handler, it's Nadler's sub-handler is right behind him, observing, continuing to message. And something that you couldn't see on the video is that inside his mouth, he has a listening piece. I just wanted to tell you that. Um, so this is how it is happening. <coughs> Pardon. They have lost the game, and here's where you see it. We cannot allow this misconduct to pass. It would be a sellout of our Constitution, our foreign policy, our national security, and our democracy. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I yield back. Thank you very much, Mr. Collins. Welcome back to the Rules Committee. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. It's good to see you. And uh, Mr. Cole, as well, members who have spent many hours in this room with you know, the chairman made a statement about uh, my friend here, Mr. Raskin, and he is a fine attorney, and, and it's been amazing to me um, throughout this year how the Judiciary Committee has sidelined fine attorneys like himself into not asking questions and to not being a part of the process. It's been really interesting to watch because he's actually a, a good one. And as you said, he's a good constitutional attorney. I'm not a constitutional attorney. I'm a pastor and an attorney from North Georgia. But I believe that you take another look at this and you can apply constitutional lenses. We all sit through those classes. But it's a common sense lens. It's a common sense lens. Mr. Cole made a, question, a comment when he, in his opening statements. He said, you said, Mr. Cole, it said it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it does. It makes perfect sense. Look at the pattern. You know, the, the only thing that is, that is uh, a clear and present danger right now in this room is the pattern of attack and abuse of rules and, a, and decisions to get at this president that started over three years ago, really the night he was elected. And, it, and, and I said the other day in the committee hearing, I talked about you know the, having the means and the motive and the opportunity. The opportunity for this day occurred last November when we lost the majority. It occurred. So before I continue, I just want to tell you guys, you should go and see the feed on Fox News. While Collins is speaking, there is a man sitting behind him, man, I want to say, of, um, he looks Indian, like Indian, like Bollywood Indian, not like American Indian, and he's literally putting two phones facing each other, screenshotting, exchanging information, um, it's really bizarre, you should watch this, because just like the handler that was sitting behind Raskin, you know, the inserted person, Raskin, so excited that he was honored to take this spot. You know why they put him there? Because there's not much on him except for the fact that he's stupid. And the minute they're done with him, he's going to go to the side. Because Nadler is having some family emergency. Wonder what that is, right? Maybe a pin was pulled. But 
he's sitting behind him, and and even though uh, Raskin was reading off a paper, he was casing the room. And right behind uh, Doug Collins, you can see half a person with some really colorful shirt, which means that he wanted attention, um, is exchanging information on two phones. Like, he literally put two phones facing each other a couple times as if he was exchanging info. Uh, so I would uh, suggest, and I'll try to tweet out this link, um, it's at about the, um, oh, I can't, it's live, so it says negative one hour and 40 minutes. But once it's done, I will tweet it out for you guys, for those that are on Twitter, and say pay attention to this guy behind Doug Collins. Because they'd already talked about it for, for years and prior, and so now we just bring it forward, and we've tried a lot of different things to get there. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, as, as the time goes on today. And look, we can have plenty of time to talk about the, the articles and, and the very vague articles that we did. It's, it's pretty interesting if you read the report from the majority. There's a lot of discussion about crimes, but they couldn't find it in themselves to charge one. Again, common sense. Articles, and when you think about impeachment, you're thinking about impeaching a president in particular for crimes. You're thinking about it, you're, you're sitting it down, it was, it was, and this majority has tried so hard to be like Clinton and Nixon and failed so miserably. But every time we try, we try once again, except the one thing, when it came down to the very end, the one thing they couldn't do is actually find a crime. They talk about it a bunch. If you read, their, read the majority's report, it is well written. It is some of the best work you'll see, frankly, in some ways, of fictional accounts of what this actually is, but it actually talks about it. It talks about how there's no actual code, like no Title 18 this section, no title this, this section. There is none for what they're bringing. It's completely fictional, ironclad fiction. It's like rewriting Snow White and the Seven Dwarves to say the witch is guilty. Yeah, she is in that story. And in their story, <laughs> President Trump is guilty, but it's fiction. It's a fairy tale. And here's where it gets a little bit more, um, I would say, particular. That the problem here is a majority bent on finding something for this president. So, Ms. Skull, it's not a surprise. In fact, it's a sad day, for not only for the Rules Committee, but for the Judiciary Committee. You know, it's telling that the Articles of Impeachment, to show you how partisan this is, and really the concerning part that I see, and Mr. McGovern is a friend, and we disagree, and you, you're exactly right, we disagree probably on a lot of things. Is this glass half full happening? And, and that's fine. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what our voters send us here for. But to find ways to actually work, well, we have worked together. The question I have here, though, is if this was, as, your, as the Speaker said, to suppose it should be overwhelming, bipartisan, and, and the American people understand it, then why are we in the Rules Committee today? When it was with Clinton, it was a UC straight to the floor. It wasn't, it didn't have to come to the Rules Committee because both sides could see there was something needed to be discussed, and that's not true here. And so we're having to bring it up here to the Rules Committee, a place that I have uh, spent many uh, hours, and many of us in this uh, group have discussed many things, but this should not be one of them. You know, it's interesting that I hear a lot today, and I've heard already from Mr. Raskin and from the, from the chairman as well, the discussion of the founders. And it's interesting, we, we cherry-pick the founders, and that's okay, that's what you know, partisans do. When you're in a partisan impeachment, you cherry-pick the founders. If you like this partisan work, you do that one. If you like the other partisan. But the one that's not mentioned is the very thing that we're here for. And that was found, I believe it was in uh, Federalist, uh, I think it was 65, it was, it was Hamilton. When he said, 
this. He said the founders warned against a vague, open-ended charge because it could be applied in a partisan fashion by the majority of the House of Representatives against an opposition president. Alexander Hamilton called partisan impeachment regulated by more of the comparative strength of parties than the real demonstration of innocence or guilt, the greatest danger. And additionally, the founders explicitly excluded the term maladministration from the impeachment clause because they did not want the subject president to the whims of Congress, their words. James Madison said, so vague a term will be the equivalent to a tenure during the, ple during the pleasure of the Senate. And I would say it would be a tenure to the pleasure of this House. When we understand what's going on here, when we look at the, the, the discussions here, there are many things that I want to talk about, but the first I want to do is when we talk about how we get to a certain place, proper process leads to proper results, and we've not had any of that in this process. I have always said, and I've said it many times uh, in our discussions uh, lately, is that this is all about a clock and a calendar. It has been for a while. Since January, when we were sworn in, it's about a clock and a calendar. Why do I say that? because we had to get to it by the end of the year, because if we went into the next year, it would be really too close, especially from the House's perspective, to the elections that they're trying to interfere with. And yes, they're trying to interfere with elections, the 2020 election, by actually beginning this process and then going forward. Now, the conduct is not conducted to respect the American people. The clock and the calendar know no masters, except themselves. You see, our committee held its first hearing on December I'm going to rewind Literally that. Literally, the day Wait. after Schiff publicly released his report, but the one that's not mentioned is the very thing that we're here for. And that was found, I believe it was in uh, Federalist, uh, I think it was 65, it was, it was Hamilton. When he said this, he said the founders warned, warned against a vague open-ended charge because it could be applied in a partisan fashion by the majority of the House of Representatives against an op opposition president. Alexander Hamilton called partisan impeachment regulated by more of the comparative strength of parties than the real demonstration of innocence or guilt, the greatest danger. And additionally, the founders explicitly excluded the term maladministration from the impeachment clause because they did not want the subject president to the whims of Congress, their words. James Madison said, so vague a term will be the equivalent to a tenure during the, ple during the pleasure of the Senate. And I would say it would be a tenure to the pleasure of this House. When we understand what's going on here, when we look at the, the, the discussions here, there are many things that I want to talk about, but the first I want to do is... When we talk about how we get to a certain place, proper process leads to proper results, and we've not had any of that in this process. I have always said, and I've said it many times Here we go. Uh, in our discussions uh, lately, is that this is all about a clock and a calendar. It has been for a while. Since January, when we were sworn in, it's about a clock and a calendar. Did you hear that? You go, boy. Clock and a calendar. Hmm. The calendar that expired and the clock they no longer have control over because it's in the hand of the good guys. <laughs> it's all just a coincidence. A clock and a calendar that they say began ticking for them. This is how he's going to tell you. I'm telling you, it all comes down to a clock and a calendar. We're going to have so much come forward and... So much is going to happen. It is going to be insane. Trump forever? <laughs> that was an understatement. So, and it doesn't mean like him himself. But what he's creating is going to reverse what has been done again and again and again throughout the history of time. And time is relative to where you stand and relative to where you are.
I mean, think about it. They tell us that this civilization existed, uh, I don't know, uh, 3,000 years ago. What if it was 3 million years ago? Or this civilization, like the, the Roman Empire, fell, you know, in the, you know, first millennia. <laughs> no. Yeah, in the first millennia. And um, that's when it happened. How, how do you know? How, how do you know it didn't happen eons ago? The one thing you have to remember is that we have things like walls that you can see from space. <laughs> and we're messing with people that can have walls that we see from space that have more continuity than any other nation right now on the face of this earth. I'm just saying it's a lot more than what you're understanding and they're speaking to you, and we just can't hear anymore. We've lost the ability to listen, lost the ability to see. And for myself, personally, uh, I'm speaking for myself, personally, in a state of turmoil, I am finding it hard to think. I, am, I, I have filled, at least, maybe today, uh, almost a whole notebook with just what I need to do and step by step and words, key words to keep me on track because that's what happens. They confuse your ability to think. They confuse your ability to feel and understand what you're going through. And unfortunately, as good, innately good souls that are so interconnected, it is very hard sometimes to compartmentalize these things. And if you l heard what he said, he repeated it. It's all about a clock and a calendar. Listen to it again. Many things that I want to talk about, but the first I want to do is when we talk about how we get to a certain place, proper process leads to proper results, and we've not had any of that in this process. I've always said, and I've said it many times uh, in our discussions uh, lately, is that this is all about a clock and a calendar. It has been for a while. Since January, when we were sworn in, it's about a clock and a calendar. Why do I say that? because we had to get to it by the end of the year, because if we went into the next year, it would be really too close, especially from the House's perspective, to the elections that they're trying to interfere with. And yes, they're trying to interfere with elections, the 2020 elections, by actually beginning this process and been going forward. Now, the conduct is not conducted to respect the American people. The clock and the calendar know no masters, except themselves. You see, our committee held its first hearing on December 4th, literally the day after Schiff publicly released his report. In the first minutes of the hearing, Mr. Sensenbrenner furnished the chairman with our demand for a minority day of hearings. The chairman also set a deadline of December 6th for Republicans and the president to request additional witnesses. But it wasn't until Saturday, the day after the deadline, that Chairman Schiff transmitted 8,000 pages of material to the Judiciary Committee. And we still haven't gotten everything, not that it matters to the majority. For, for institutionalists, this should bother you. You can, you can still go ahead and vote for your yes tomorrow and vote for yes today and do that, but it should matter for this institution that while I was in Georgia, I received a call from my staff saying they've just released 8,000 documents, some drive, some of which were going to be kept in a secure holding. And when I asked the chairman about these documents, where are they going to be? He said, well, we're not going to read them either. We're not going to have a chance to go through them. We're just going to go ahead with what we're doing. That was from my chairman, who I respect greatly. We've done a lot of things together, but it has been very difficult. When in a hearing of this magnitude, how can anyone, Republican or Democrat, actually go back 
and look at their constituents in the face and say, we looked at all the evidence. I looked at everything and I came to this conclusion. No, we cherry-picked the evidence and we only used what we wanted to do because that material, which, by the way, has still not all been released, there's the Inspector General IG report that is still transparent, has not been released. Now, whether it's good or bad is irrelevant. But when you're talking about impeaching a president, shouldn't the underlying evidence sent to Judiciary Committee actually matter? Again, it doesn't take constitutional experts coming in and telling us about it. It takes common sense to know that you don't impeach somebody without at least making all the evidence proper. But you know, that's what happens when you're to the tyranny of a clock and a calendar. Clock and a calendar says it again and again. And many of you may say, yeah, that makes sense because they were running against the clock to interfere with the 2020. No, they haven't had a calendar since 2012. And the clock is now not in their control. And it's all in the eyes of the beholder, in the hands of the masters. And who sits on that chair? Who sits on the chair demanding to control, you know, the second hands, the hour hands? Who sits in that control to be able to look, peek, reverse, fix? That's what you need to think of. You know, who, imagine if you had the ability to foresee all of this coming. Would, and you were the Democrats. You were the shadow, the global shadow government. You obviously had put your fail safe. You had your insurance policies. And there are very few. Raskin is a tool. Listen to this little clip of him being asked, the investigations on Vice President Biden in the 2016 elections, why does that constitute an impeachable offense? Um, 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 take a listen. Investigations of Vice President Biden and the 2016 elections, why does that constitute an impeachable offense? Um, so, um, well, um, 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 because there isn't any. It's not a constitutional offense. It's not something that you would overthrow a government for. They've been wanting to overthrow the government for a while now. Here's another clip. So I'm not, I can yell on both of them. I can talk about both of them. The problem we have here is, is this is the very problem we have, and I'll just address one thing before I let it back, or, or if you want me to switch right now, I will. No, I mean, that's okay. fine. Mr. I'll give it to him. I mean, yeah, oh, that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, the president and the transcription. I would like you to do us a favor, though. I mean, I, do you think it was a perfect call? I well, mean, Lieutenant uh, Colonel Vinland actually said it was perfectly okay for the president to ask political uh, call, and I can actually, that was in his testimony. And, yeah. and do you think it's so appropriate it, he for He said, Lieutenant Colonel Vinland said, would it ever be, was asked, would it ever be U.S. policy in your experience to ask a foreign leader to open a political investigation? You're right, certainly. The president is well within his right to do that. I mean, do you think it's right for the president to ask a foreign government to investigate a U.S. citizen like that? No, I think it's absolutely wrong. And, you know, one of the interesting Yeah, so here's what we're going to do, right? If a U.S. citizen is overseas and is not named Joe Biden, and they are, um, uh, you know, using our federal tax dollars to enrich themselves, and they are using, you know, their friends, their connections, their office, you know, to purport some different agenda so they can become rich, we shouldn't interfere. What? We shouldn't hold them accountable. I mean, it's just federal taxpayer dollars in make-believe blimps that is falling out of the sky and lining their pockets. They hate America. They hate everything we stand for. This was a beacon of hope. And again, all you have to do is watch the live House committee debates that Fox streamed live. All you have to do is look at the people that are sitting behind Collins and then those that are 
sitting behind that greasy raskin who's so excited to be there. Like, oh my gosh, this is my opportunity. Such a tool. Such a tool. About the hearings, of course, was that that every single, uh, I think every single member of Congress who has at least endorsed the impeachment inquiry has said that it's completely wrong for uh, the U.S. president to use any of the means at his disposal to drag foreign governments into our election, and we were unable to get our colleagues on the Judiciary Committee to weigh in on that, saying, well, let's assume that you think, let's stipulate you think that the president did nothing wrong here. Do you think it's wrong for the president of the United States to get foreign powers involved in an election? And we couldn't get an answer. I reissued the invitation. To I'm just going to say something. You know the guy that I told you about that was sitting behind Collins, putting one phone facing the other, and then made it look like he's just coupling them? He's sitting right behind Raskin's puppet master. And they're conversing and exchanging things together. It's a guy that you can't miss. He looks like, you know, he's definitely from northern India. Um, I would say Bangladeshi looking from the way he looks. Um, really loud color, colored clothing. Um, and he's sitting in between Raskin and Collins. Uh, because he's on, uh, uh, because if they're on opposite sides of the room, it's pretty hard to see how he flips positions. So I wanted to point that out because the way the cameras are going, it's telling you that um, you know Raskin is on the opposite side of the room when it seems to be that he's sitting right next to Doug Collins. So I thought I would mention that um, for you to be able to situate yourself just to see how reality and what's really happening is skewed uh, in the way it is portrayed to you. To Mr. Collins, because I, I believe that in his heart he thinks that's wrong, and I certainly would not want that to become the pattern for all future presidencies. I think the interesting thing here is, Mr. Chairman, if I could, I, would, I don't want this to become the pattern for future impeachments. I think this is the problem I have. And, and, and the understanding here is, I guess it's okay, though, to get involved in a, in a 2016 election when you pay a third party to go uh, pay for a dossier. I mean, these are the kind of things that we can talk about, but the interesting issue that is just discussed here is exactly where we are right now in a question and a comment, because what Mr. Raskin just brought up is an interesting point. So is it okay if you're running for president that you can't be investigated, even if you did something overseas? So if you were running for president and you did something overseas, it would be a, it would be off limits, according to Mr. Askin's argument, for the United States government to investigate that. That's the argument he just set up. I think you need to be very careful with that argument. Uh, I appreciate. I, I, I guess that, that, again, I mentioned this in my opening statement. The frustrating thing is that it's hard. I mean, I would seem so obvious to so many of us about inappropriate behavior. We can't even get. I mean, I, I look at uh, you know uh, our, our former colleague Charlie Dent. Uh, says he spoke with Republicans who are absolutely disgusted and exhausted by the president's behavior. Wow, I feel really um, concerned for Doug Collins only because behind him sits a woman that isn't real. And you know that male, Indian male that I've been saying has a long nail, so it could be a female, so it could be just uh, you know pretending to be a male. I don't know, but there's a woman sitting right behind him. And um, he is literally, um, she is, I let that go, didn't I? 
Uh, not real. Not real. It is important to understand. Not real. There are people that are not real that, you know, I can be a man. I can be a woman. And, you know, you want to talk Ukraine, how it was always the Ukraine? We just have to think Maria Butina. Oh, she was Russian. But what did Maria Butina give the Ukraine? And unfortunately, we heard Doug Collins say, well, because he's running for president, we should investigate. We started the investigation way before he ran for president. Now, take a listen to Raskin and how uh, that man with the Indian man behind him, um, actually someone just tweeted it out and I'm going to share it, um, coaching him. Take a listen. And let me just point out for the record, um, we've requested several documents and testimony from members of this administration. Uh, and what has the president's administration done in response? Not his administration. And let me just point out for the record. Um, and the thing is, he's, he has a listening device in his mouth. I saw it. So how is it that he's leaning over? Because they can't understand it. So, um, you know, one thing uh, people need to understand is that uh, this guy behind Braskin is actually an attorney. Uh, he has been guiding this whole thing. And there are certain law firms that people need to remember uh, are the usual suspects. Make sense? I, I, to you, my listener, it makes sense. To you that are new to the Tory Says Show, you know, it will make sense, or you can kind of, you know, rewind on previous shows. There are, there is a network of a sh global shadow government. And I want to say linchpins are going off everywhere to the good guys. People dying, sudden heart attacks. You know, um, uh, I, I don't know if I'm, I, I, I mentioned it in my show last week. I'm very confused, but one thing that I want to do is keep everyone you know is um, in your prayers. Uh, it is very important to have them in your prayers. Uh, even people like Maria Butina, uh, pa Paul Manafort, um, because things are going to be happening everywhere very quickly. And I'm, I'm, I'm drawing from that to, to, to pull myself up from my bootstraps, uh, just like everyone else's. And maybe because, uh, having treaded in swamps, um, I might be able to right now at this moment have clarity and five minutes later not. But it is very important that we focus on what is really happening here. Uh, they're redoing the law. They are changing things to accommodate their needs and their need for outcome. You have to really look at what they are doing and step back. It is all about a clock and a calendar. And this has been ongoing since 20. 12 that this race has been happening the infiltrators remember it was during that last four term four year term uh four year earthly term that barack hussein obama had where people were being targeted left and right through the irs mccain helped make that happen through various various other ways and you know they thought they were in control and that's the thing 
and this is important, that sometimes you have to let the bad guy think that they're stronger um, than you. Uh, you have to let them believe that they have power. That way they are arrogant and do not double check. Poor Nadler. But keep people, I mean, I mean, all of you would be like, Maria Butina. Maria Butina gave us so much, right? So, so much. And she had um, provided everything we needed on the Ukraine. And I don't think people understand that. And then they'll say, well, then that means that the Russians were trying to help. Actually, she was trying to help herself. Young. And that's the thing. When you do things like this when you're young, you're naive. Uh, this is why they usually snag people up like that. So it is very important that we uh, maintain thought um, to be objective and to question everything because uh, there are attacks and explosions going on everywhere right now. Um, you know, it's going to be really, really hard for people to follow the news, understand the news. Uh, but uh, hopefully I can help do that. You know, with Iran, don't listen to anything they're telling you. That's all under control. Uh, it has been. This is why we took down the Internet. Um, there are many things on many fronts coming down. Uh, I was very happy to see earlier that um, Giuliani was like, yeah, we needed to, um, you know, fire her. I said that she needed to be fired for one thing. She self-nominated herself as the gatekeeper for the Department of Justice. I wrote an article about that. She had no business doing that whatsoever. She had no business. That is the problem here. That is where you need to, you know, remember that they, every time they could find information, they tried to get ahead of it. This was them tripping on their own feet. And I didn't like the fact that Collins blurted out, well, you know, just because he's running for president doesn't mean we can't investigate him. Well, that shouldn't be the argument because he wasn't running for president while we were investigating him. Uh, that's a fact. Now, I want to um, jump forward uh, to um, Cole. Here we go. The application of the House rule governing the minority hearing day? No. Okay. Uh Chairman McGovern, I ask unanimous consent that this memo be made part of the record uh, and will note that the memo states in part that a point of order may lie against the reported measure in which the minority's demand for a hearing was improperly rejected. Without objection, and I'll ask unanimous consent if I can, to also insert in the record uh, our response to your letter, and we could talk about that after your question. Yes, sir, certainly appropriate. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So I just wanted to say this was a completely partisan, partisan move. Um, this was all the Democrats. They're purporting that it was bipartisan. It's not. It's completely partisan. They want to change the rules. They want to move forward with this. They're not going to win. And the president has every right to take them to court for abuse of power because that is exactly what Congress has done. Uh, now, I'm just going to say on that note, I want you guys um, to pray, have faith, and be a little bit more astute in regards to the way you um, uh, receive the information and you listen to repetitive statements, words, or slips of uh, statements. Um, the president should be telling us a lot. And tomorrow night, um, from what I gather, uh, we will have William Barr tell us a lot too. 
So listen to what your president says carefully. Uh, listen to his mistakes. Read his mistakes. Understand what he is trying to tell you. And suddenly it'll be like, you know, you put on glasses and you can see again. Uh, it's all about paying attention to the right things because it is so congested. They have confused us and they have um, taken away the ability for us to objectively see things. On that note, I'll see you guys tomorrow, same time, same place. I want to wish you a great evening and God bless from all of us here at Red State Talk Radio. See you tomorrow.